Welcome everyone to another fun-filled episode of Mostly AV with our co-host Michelle Lorette and Hi. our hello. <laughs> and we have today a special guest, Paul. How do you pronounce your last name? Zeal? Zeely. Zeely, okay. But he has okay. a lot of zeal, so that was close. Yeah, there you go. He's known. Yeah. Me. Yeah, the the IE and the last name always you gotta ask how it's pronounced. Yeah. You never know. <laughs> anyway, so Michelle. Yes. Hey. So we're getting ready to go uh, to Infocom sub thirty days. Mm-hmm. Everybody on the uh, on the podcast going. Paul, yes. you going to be there? Yes, I am. Excellent. And who are you representing these days? Me. I'm, I'm looking at your LinkedIn profile, and it. I am. It doesn't I'm, show am, a current employer. Uh, I am that? representing me. I'm Just on sabbatical. You? Oh, nice. So uh, I uh, am doing a little consulting and. And uh, doing a lot of wandering around aimlessly and trying to decide what I want to do when I grow up. Nice. So, uh, <laughs> and I'm, I'm accepting uh, proposals if, if uh, somebody has something they think I would find interesting. But oh, cool. uh, I'm not in a particular hurry to, uh, to uh, start getting up and putting on clothes every day. Yeah, it's nicer to walk around in your PJs. Yeah, yeah I did actually put on a, a shirt with a collar for uh, this because I knew you'd have me on video, but other than that, I'm full Winnie the Pooh and <laughs> who, uh, don't have to worry about it. Just just don't do anything where I have to stand up suddenly. <laughs> well, we appreciate you joining us. Um, and I think you, uh, you have a really interesting perspective because you've worked at the end user in the past um, and you've been in AV distribution and integration and manufacturing. And so here we are, we're, we're almost halfway to, to the halfway mark, right? In 2019. Uh, so where are things going? Are we all going to hell in a handbasket, Paul? What, what, well, what's can, the trend? Continuing on. If only I had a, a positive perspective on, on the AV industry. Are we in trouble? I don't know. Um, my feeling is is one of disappointment that uh, that uh, we we haven't as an industry uh, fulfilled our 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 high potential. Um, so so uh, as a technical industry, we're the the classic underachiever and and, and proud. Um, not that I haven't taken that role for a lot of my life, but. Uh, you know, I, I do think there's a lot more that the AV industry could be doing and um, learning from other industries to uh, kind of solve the problems and, and add some professionalism. So, so I find that frustrating from time to time when I look at the way the IT industry does things or, or the growing IoT field and... Um, then look at the AV field where people are running around and infighting and not concentrating on things that are important. And, um, and uh, I think we could do better. Well, now it's interesting because Jerry spent, I don't know, at least six months of his life uh, completing IP tables for the Exxon mobile project with like <laughs> nine displays in front of him. It was a fun, fun, fun uh, job. Oh, yeah. So Jerry, do you agree with Paul? What do you think? You think we Actually, could- yeah, yeah. If I'm kind of, I, I know he's being politically correct, right, Paul? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I don't want to start right in negative. Right, yeah. Well, no, but th- he's right. Um, I'll, I'll get there. But right. <laughs> you got to warm up. People. <laughs> you got to have some foreplay here. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it, the AV does spend a lot of times in um, standard fighting. Everybody wants to have their own standard Everybody wants to be, you know, proprietary and own the technology mm-hmm. as opposed to where, you know, network, you don't, you don't have that many specific niches within it. Whereas in, in AV, AV is a huge wide market. You know, it goes from audio that has nothing to do with video to video that has nothing to do with audio and everywhere in between. So yeah, every, you know, you know, from the VHS beta wars to Dante, uh, you know, versus whatever, you Cobernet. know, or yeah, AVB, you know, uh, AVB, AVB, AVB versus, you know, Dante, you know, who's going to, who's going to reign supreme. And you're right. There's a lot of infighting, you know, you know, 
Well, and, and that infighting, the, the biggest issue that I have with that infighting is that for all of those various things, if you look at the difference between AVB and um, Dante, and for that matter, Cobranet, um, for 95, 99% of the cases, there's absolutely no difference to the user. Right. Of course, there are edge cases where one would be better than another, but ultimately, you know, in those cases, it is, um, you know, 24-bit PCM audio sampled at 48K, and the difference is whatever am I sending the bits across the network, how am I bundling it, how am I prioritizing it, um, and everything ultimately works the same. Right. And, uh, and we spend so much time saying which one of these is better when in reality the answer is most of the time neither one is going to neither one is going to move the needle for the customer right. um, one, one way or another. And it's, it's very counterproductive. And, you know, in a lot of cases, I would look at those things and say, hey, this is my favorite, this is what I use. But if the customer has a strong preference, is already, um, you know, standardized on that other thing, fine. <laughs> and right. the reason I prefer it is because I've used it more times, I've got the right tools, you know, whatever else. But from an application standpoint, what I find over and over is very little about the actual AV, the functional, um, there's any differentiation. And when you looked at the network video, uh, we were at ISC, and you would get these grandiose, you know, changing the paradigm of distribution and everything else. You finally get down, you know, six paragraphs in and go, oh, it's another SDVOE box. Um, <laughs> it's not. It's, it's a check mark. Yeah. <laughs> you know, meanwhile, things like how easy it is it to install 500 of them is, is a huge differentiator because if I have to go in and log into every single one and individually do things, it's a pain versus if I need to install 500 and I could just point it at a spreadsheet and they all configure themselves. Yeah. That, that would be enough to drive me one way or another, but nobody goes in that direction. They're, they're still fighting about, um, you know, tiny little video artifacts and which video is better and, and these things, when there is no appreciable difference, everything is good enough. Whereas the IT world spends a lot of time on serviceability, deploying, central management, all of these things, because those are the big value drivers. Those are the long-term costs to the organization. Because um, if I have, you know, if I have 500 of a device, which is not at all uncommon, in a big organization, especially mm -hmm. when you're talking about transmitters and receivers or something, and I need to make a tiny little change to all 500 of them, in the AV world, there's an 85% chance I got to pull out that spreadsheet and, and type in the IP address of every single one of them individually, browse three layers in, click a button, browse out, and then go to the next one. And that's just a miserable thing to have to do, whereas if something has it and being able to go, I can make the change to all of them, mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's huge. And that, and I haven't seen any, um, any AV companies concentrating on that sort of thing. And that's where I really see, you know, those are the things that interest me, you know, audio is audio. It stopped being interesting from a technical standpoint, you know, in 1870. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Once they figured out the reverb equations, you know, it's been downhill since then. Nothing's right. really. <laughs> and once MP3 came out, it just like yeah. who cares? Right. MP3. Well, the, the, but that's the baseline. You're you're sitting right. there saying, you're sitting there saying, oh, our mech, you know, our mechanism won't allow you to drop a uh, a, a sample, um, you know, one sample out of. 48,000 in a, in a second, you know, in a world that's used to MP3, who the uh, hell? 
you know, that's, mm -hmm. you know, but people, people look at it, it looks like a number that says, oh, that's great. But ultimately, your brain is never going to notice that you've just lost, you know, a 24,000th of a second worth of, yeah. of your audio stream. Right. Or we're half of a frame faster yeah. than the next guy. Yeah, you know? right. <laughs> yeah, I know. We, we get kind of nitpicky, but yeah, then right. we wrap that under the guise of being AV professionals. So, of course. Well, I, I, yeah. I think a part of it is that a lot of us technical people are kind of, you know, a different kind of nerdy. And so we play the numbers games, you know. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the true comparator between things in general, not just AV things, but things yeah. in general. You know, hey, this car goes 3.2 seconds, or, you know. Versus this one's 3.2.5, you know, <laughs> and so technical minds yeah. tend to gravitate towards a measurable something. Yeah, yeah. but at some point you also hit yeah. good enough and, right. and ultimately it, it's kind of saying, well, th this car goes zero to 60 in two seconds instead of three and a half seconds. And ignoring the fact that the one that goes in three and a half seconds out also has brakes. <laughs> <laughs> because you're, I'm only concerned about that acceleration number. Exactly. That's the big thing. And, and none of these applications are a single number. So, so we do an awful lot of, of buying based on acceleration and ignoring the fact that we bought the one without brakes. Yeah. Exactly. So, Jerry, when you go to design a, a project, do you have your, mm -hmm. your go-to products because you've been doing it a long time and you know the part numbers? I mean, is that just kind of… It's not necessarily the part numbers because I do have… I have a family of go-to products. So, it's not, you know, for any one particular item, I have several to pick from. And, but that's part of one, probably one of the things that makes me pick one over the other is like, okay, where's the system going? It's like, am I better off going Dante because of the selection of the other products? Mm -hmm. Because that's one of the roads where you either take a Dante road or you take an AVV road. There's no in between. They're not intercompatible for the most part. Um, that's why. Not, not inexpensively. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's why, you know, it's like, okay, you know, somebody's doing AVV. It's like, okay, well, then your DSP is going to be a by hand. Mm -hmm. Somebody's going to use, you know, Dante or something else, my go-to is going to be QSE, you know, and, and, you know, for other things as well. So, so I, I have a question. So mm -hmm. if your client doesn't have a, a preferred method, do you just pick one for them? Yes. Like, yeah, absolutely. I do. I do. I mean, I do have my personal favorites because of usage uh -huh. and feature sets that I like. Yeah. And, you know, for instance, between those two products, you know, and I'm not trying to bash on anybody, but no. if, you, if you're picking an audio DSP, blam, you got to pick one of 13 different SKU numbers that fit your situation. Yeah. Clear one used to be like that at one point. I would, right. Exactly. On one product set. It's like 20 different ways to buy it. Right. Whereas the, the, the QSIS product, there's one. As far mm -hmm. as the single, single rack space kind of mm -hmm. will, will match most of your needs for a VTC room. Yeah. You know, you can't expand it with a card frame type scenario and whatnot, but for the nine out of 10 video conferencing rooms, you're going to, you're going to pick a you know, either like a Tessera Forte, whatever, Yeah. One, you know, versus a core, QSIS Core 110. Mm -hmm. The Core 110 kind of does everything that any of the other biomps do. It's just how you need to interface with it. Yeah, and it's interesting because, I mean, I think I was representing a DSP manufacturer uh, back in 2012 when I was with mm -hmm. a rep firm. And, I mean, this at that time, this was buy country, Texas was. Would you agree, Paul? Oh, yeah. you, you have any I, thoughts I, on that? I, I, I think at that time the whole world was buy country. It's only, been, yeah. it's only been the last few years that QSC has really made a big inroad, and that's primarily because of the 110. Yep. They've, and, they've done a great job. They, I, I believe they, they have to have captured a, a lot of market share. Right. And, and, and quite frankly, the real reason is because it, is the, it has nothing to do with QSIS over the network or mm -hmm. any of these other things because nobody who's buying the QSC 110 is, is running audio over the network for the most part. People are starting to now because of some of the, you know, sure ceiling microphones. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, they're buying it because it's 
$600 cheaper than buying the Tessera Forte that does what you need. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it's also got, as he said, better flexibility. Um, and that has to do really with when it was designed. It's a, it's a different type of design. Biamp still uses discrete DSPs. So for instance, if you have echo cancelers, those echo canceler DSPs are tied to physical inputs. Mm -hmm. Whereas QSC is using a processor like a computer doing it all in software. So they're just assigning. Um, so it's a lot more like a, uh, a Pro Tools workstation inside. Not exactly, but it, it's more like that where they're making those logical connections. Um, and it's six of one half and as another, but the QSC becomes really versatile that way. Um, and... And it goes. Now, the interesting thing will happen is what we, what happens when other companies start coming out with lower cost um, DSP that doesn't suck. You see companies like Bose mm -hmm. coming after it and everything else. And especially with a lot of these things, there's a company called uh, Nureva that yeah. makes a uh, that makes an array microphone that goes above and breaks it into eight thousand little virtual microphones and does everything for you. Um, all these companies are aiming at the IT people who just want to have a little room. So what happens now when these companies come up and meet the needs of those IT people who don't have any? Hey, you know, I went to a really good Infocom party for Biamp, or you mm. know. I remember when Rashid was uh, nice to me once or, <laughs> you know, all of these other things. And it's starting to become a something that they're buying from Dell or, uh, bu yeah. or buying from, you know, uh, Ingram Micro. Right. And, and it's easy enough to put in. What does that do to the AV industry? And, and so that's the, the other side of this, not paying attention to the way that IT wants to do business and is used to it. Because if somebody does, they can topsy-turvy put all the traditional AV people out of business. Yeah. yeah. You know, know. They, and, and, and it doesn't take long for that sort of thing to flip. Look at all the companies that owned the world that were out of business within five years of, uh, of IBM putting out the PC with Microsoft DOS. You yeah. Know, mm -hmm. Companies that were king of the world making $30,000 computers went out of business. Um, uh, I lived in Massachusetts at the time, which was the center of that world. Yeah. Bang, digital equipment, all oh, of those computer countries, yeah. companies that were huge. They were the, the Apples and Ubers of, of the period. Yeah. The and they're dinosaurs. Gorilla. They're all gone. They uh -huh. don't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you know their, their buildings got bought by other types of companies. Uh, that's a big possibility for, for the, um, for the AV industry. I look at something like Zoom. Yeah. You know, uh, I can't, I, I got to give Cisco credit. Somehow they got people uh, still buying their hardware codecs. They do. Um, it's at, 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 at this point, and I can't possibly see why I know other than, used to uh, other than possibly the fact that the AV industry hasn't figured out to make a, how to make an easy to install and use echo canceler for a conference room so so you bury it inside a Cisco codec and people people don't worry about it and the, the whole reason that Cisco might be selling those things is because they can be installed by the IT guy and, mm -hmm. hi, and hide all the AV stuff Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I know that Jerry, you can go and, um, build a perfectly good zoom room that will do zoom or WebEx or anything else for significantly less than $20,000. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All day long. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but they're still, they're still selling those things. So yeah, I'm still selling. Um, I think what it is is that Cisco did something that no other manufacturer did because they already own the network market. I know. They went in and they have a, at every major city that has a major industry in it, they created experience centers. Mm -hmm. yeah. Not driven by any vendor, any other vendor except themselves. Mm -hmm. And they basically have 100% Cisco 
labeled ecosystem, complete yeah. ecosystem, yeah. and they invite the CIOs and CEOs. Oh yeah, of every business that they can get a hold of, and they invite them to their experience center and show them their stuff. Well, their IT guys are coming, the CIOs coming. They're like, oh yeah, I love these switches and stuff like that. And then they're like, oh yeah, who does your AV? Guess what? You don't need them anymore. Mm-hmm. You, you can buy on the same PO that you're buying, you know, these 20 network switches for your new floor. You can buy your AV stuff. You can buy your video conference room. That's a Zoom compatible, you know, mm-hmm. or WebEx. They're going to push WebEx, of course. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it can integrate with, you know, I've, I've seen Cisco rooms with video, which obviously gives you your, you know, they're, but they're branding everything Cisco. Mm-hmm. I've literally, and I think we've touched on this on another episode too, I where so. I've had to mimic a touch 10 yeah. yeah, for a major law firm from a restaurant because they were promised up and down this touch 10 will replace AMX or Crestron control systems. I mean, it can't, but it can be the, no. the steering wheel for them, but they don't tell these people that. Yeah. Right. So now, you know, so regardless, but because of that, they owned the mind space of the client. Yeah. yeah, You know, and that's the important part. That's where Cisco really kind of, yeah. and that's why people are still buying a $12,000, you know, Kodak that still needs $4,000 worth of licensing to go with. I know, that's the worst. Right. You know, but, yeah. when a Zoom room can do it, you can, I mean, you, you can buy the entire room with displays and everything for less than their Kodak. Yeah. And get the same functionality. As long as you're not trying to do three, two, three calls, which that format is kind of dying away. Well, the necessity it, form. Yeah, it's it's very rare. You, you're you're talking some banking and government, but that's more because they take so long to upgrade all their legacy. Right. Um, that uh, that yeah. those things that those things exist, and so yeah, but. But when you're dealing with the 323 or the proprietary world, you're also cutting out all those people at home and the desktops. So the number of people that you can call um, goes down. And and there are companies like um, like Paxip that make uh, that make uh, MCUs and things bridging that will do all that translation and make everything talk to each other, as well as companies like Blue Jeans that will, as a service, do all that translation that makes it do it. But, you know, there are other things within that Cisco world that that make me say, well, why wouldn't a customer buy it? So, for instance, um, in every AV scheduler in the world, you invite the conference room to the meeting, it yeah. looks it up, and it does it. Um, I've also, when I invited that conference room to the meeting. And this is um, the third party, but as well as Crestron and AMX's schedulers. Um, I've also included the conference call number um, in it. Uh-huh. Uh, have you, has anybody ever seen a programmed AV room system where since the room was invited to the meeting and has the call-in number was nice enough to have it sitting on the touch panel saying, would you like to make your call now? Uh, that would uh, be nice. It's built into the Cisco system. You schedule uh-huh. in Cisco, and right. it's got they've got what they call the uh, one button, one button, one touch. You come in and say, "Boom!" It connects, Join, connects yeah. the meeting. Yeah, because I'm having to mimic that all the time. With our programmers, have to mimic that. And, right, but yeah. but that would be something that the you know that the control companies yeah they and who are doing the scheduling makes sense because if it's Outlook, it's got a thing in there in the Outlook invite that says uh, location. And if that location is a call or it can read through and find out, it can pop it up. Hell, my web browser um, my web browser is smart enough to see anything that looks like a phone number. And if I click on it, ask me if I want to launch yeah. the call from my web browser. Yeah, that's you know, true. The technology exists. It's just nobody has gone into the AV world and said, "Let's let's um, leverage it, leverage it, make it easier." Yeah. But, and then you start to look at the customer. You look at a customer like Citibank. Uh huh. 
and and think about how many meetings you're in in any given week oh, or God. people are in an any given week where five minutes is spent while they're looking up to see okay who's got the number we're supposed to call into blah 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 yeah multiply multiply that out by 10 meetings a week um an hour a week per employee for a hundred thousand employees suddenly you're saying hey Citibank, i'll save you 10 million dollars a year <laughs> yeah by putting right. in this feature and and you can and That's it's compelling. a plausible number to to, to get to and quite frankly, you've probably just, you know, paid for their AV budget. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, you're yet, absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. Oftentimes, we don't get the chance to approach the client to even have, we don't think to have those conversations, nor do we approach the client. But, but, that, that, but that is not an integrator. That's a manufacturer sort of thing. And while you could probably do it as an integrator programmer, really, it's the scheduling software tie-in hooks yeah that, that has to be able to uh to deal with that sort of thing right so, so the interface between the yeah. and the actual physical right. room right where cisco nailed it yeah yeah and in cisco's case you got to be using cisco's scheduling software which ties in with outlook uh, anyway uh -huh. but you know so they sell that piece of ten thousand dollars software or whatever it is it doesn't matter yeah because it's going to save the customer a ton of money you know, because cause, cause time is money. Well, and Cisco's known, I think, for having, I don't know, y'all can disagree, let me know, uh, a pretty aggressive uh, sales culture. Oh, I mean, oh, yeah. Unbelievably you know? aggressive. I don't, yeah. I've yeah. always felt that way for the last couple decades, and it hasn't changed. Yeah. Um, yeah. My, my prior employer, uh, we used to literally have a almost weekly meeting at the Cisco offices here in Houston. The Cisco offices here in Houston have a sales team of, my guess is around 50 people uh -huh. just for Houston, just yeah. for Cisco. Okay. That's, mm -hmm. a, that's a big sales force. And they, yeah. they, they personally don't sell anything directly. Yeah. They're just out there drilling the Cisco name into their culture. Yeah. You know, whether it's their security. Every, I mean, they got products from, you know, network security all the way to, you know, cameras. Yeah, you know, VTC cameras. And, 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 and one of the things they've done very well, so for instance, and voice over IP is one of the things they've done it best on. Mm -hmm. If you've already bought in, and I've got Cisco Network, uh -huh. and yeah. I need voice, they make it very easy to add the Cisco branded voice into their network. Mm -hmm. So it, become, it becomes a path of least resistance to add on because they're already pre-configured to just magically work with their switches and infrastructure. And it so kind of adds in. And when they bought Tamburg, they moved it over. So that video, if you, okay, I've already got the Cisco voice. Oh, I just plug this in and it magically works with all of my voice stuff. And, you know, all of these other areas. So it becomes an easy sell. And, um, and one of the things that they they have have done incredibly well at is, as I spoke to before, the the good enough. I think we could arguably say we get in an expert in switching and routing and VTC and everything else. We could arguably say that in any of the given areas that Cisco um, competes, mm -hmm. that they are not the very best possible technical solution. But a hundred percent of the time, they're good enough. Right, and 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 the AV world keeps on saying best of breed, best of breed, best of breed. Um, when it might be a better thing to say consistently good enough and <laughs> and easy to make work. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely correct, man. Well, Most people will not admit to it, admit to that, but that's the, that's the reality of the AV world at this point. You know? Well, that's the reality of technology. Once you yeah, get to general. be good enough, you know, you know, you're an audio guy. Uh, you know, something's at 0.01 percent total harmonic distortion. Um, I'm building an amplifier. Do I want to spend my next hundred thousand dollars getting it down to 0.001 percent? Or do I want to get the power down? Right. I would. I would. I would argue that that there's more value to the customer 
getting the power consumption down than there is at driving that total harmonic spec down from unhearable to really unhearable. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Uh, but, the, but the number, they and they spent so long working on that that they don't want to stop yeah. being the top in that mark. And so they'll spend all the time, you know, pushing the ridiculous past where it needs to be. And, and, then, and then what happens? Somebody Bluetooth an MP3 from their iPhone through it. And, you know, and who the hell cares what the total harmonic distortion number is. Yeah, on $15 earbuds. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Exactly. Naturally. Well, and yeah, we are very uh, Kentucky Derby-ish, best of breed-ish uh, type industry. And, and often yeah, which, which it means, just doesn't matter. Which means there's often falls for, for improper contact. Now, I was curious. Yeah, right. <laughs> Disqualification. Well, that's funny because nobody gets disqualified. I don't think. I don't believe, but I could be wrong. But uh, do you think that, you know, the technology is changing, stakeholders are changing uh, in terms of what they expect? Do you think because we are, it's so fraught with friction to try and work with our channel? Because I, I get complaints and I, I, I it's not. I don't enjoy it, but you know, all the end users complain in general about their integrators, right? Jerry knows he, mm -hmm. he's been on both sides oh, yeah. of that coin. You know, uh, everybody complains about their consultants as well, regardless of whether they know what the scope of the consultant's contract was. Right. Um, and I, I just feel like there's just, our industry has made it really hard to work with us. It's we're fraught with friction, right? And clients yeah. want a frictionless. And so now they're at a point where they'd rather figure out a way to like pool their internal resources to mm -hmm. do something themselves outside of maybe new construction uh, where they don't necessarily want to get put on a hard hat. But you know, if it's a retrofit or a technology shift or something, they're like, ah, can we do this ourselves? What would this take? Because we just don't make it an enjoyable experience. And how do we change that? Yeah, it, it, it's tough. And I think it's not a hundred percent deserved because one of the problems with AV um, is everybody thinks they're an expert. Oh, yes. Be, yes, be, yes. Be, because they've got a big flat screen at home right. and, and managed to get Apple TV to work. And they may um, be a gamer. The gamers and, are yeah, the worst. Yeah. I'll tell you and that at the end user level, throwing that out Yeah, it, it used to be. Back when I was an integrator, um, I had a standard thing going that uh, if I saw a conference room spec that uh, called out, um, Dolby, if it wasn't a an advertising agency or a production house, I didn't want to bid the job because they were an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> all, all, although I did once nice. take one with a, I think it was a 5 plus 1 or 7 plus 1 uh, system spec, and um, I balanced it out correctly, dead mono, and they thought it was great. Nice. There you go. I, you know, I put the right balance in, the right delay to the rear speakers, got the sub, but um, they had all the right channels. The Dolby light went on um, when they were receiving Dolby stuff, <laughs> but ultimately everything went out the way it was supposed to in a right. conference room, mono. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And here's they thought it was great. <laughs> yeah, here's a big example, too, is that I've, I've recently gotten projects where they're, they're asking for um, consumer products. Because it, there's not a there's not a commercial equivalent, and we get um, like give a, give an example, Jerry. Well, Sonas. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. They, they got the Bluetooth connectivity to, to uh -huh. Bluetooth speakers. Basically, is what they are. Yeah. For the home, well, there's not really a commercial version of that that are, that I've ever found, and yeah. they, it may exist, but whoever the company is hasn't gotten enough out there to make it make themselves right. Known. Yeah, so I'm getting. I'm. I'm. In the last couple of months, I've done a couple of fitness centers uh -huh. that, sure enough, what do they want? They want a Sonas system that ties into your commercial AV stuff. That you know, so they would think you know, whoever's on their machine can Bluetooth to their machine and do all the stuff. And there's no, there's no, you know, known. Or that, that I'm that I'm aware, or that I could find after several days of searching and well, questions. that's the thing. Yeah, you look and look and look, and then you just it's not, get tired. You know, it's like it may exist, but guess what? But that company sucks at, at marketing because <laughs> I haven't heard about it. Yeah. Well, yeah, AV marketing even is through a even through a thorough search. Yeah, no, so you know things like that, and and those products are 
they're they're being specced in by that company's fitness expert who says, I have a sonar system at home. <laughs> right. You know, because I remember this back in the 2000s. Uh-huh. Uh, back when I was at, with a client, I was doing video conference systems for bank presidents and stuff in, you know, in Caribbean islands. And, you know, a couple of times the, the, the bank president would ask me, he's like, well, I got a boat system at home. Why can't we just do something like that? And, uh, you know, face palms like, yeah, no, no, you can't. You could, but you're not going to be happy with it because that stuff is not designed for this. But, you know, but now it's almost like the shoes on the other foot where, you know, the Sonas products, they fill a need that the client has. Yeah, a design. It's like if Exxon made a box that did the same thing but had, you know, balanced line audio, it's like, oh, yeah, do it. But they don't. Or if they do... Nope, maybe I, I, I wasn't maybe Extron that. product management needs to listen to our show for tips yeah. and tricks. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, well, guys. And, and a lot of times the, the issues that really happen that I found with using consumer products really are, are around the fact of a shared resource and a shared space. So mm-hmm. if, if I'm controlling something, you know, my TV set from my phone because I've got some – phone-based system, and suddenly my kids start um, flipping the channels from the bedroom because they picked the wrong set, you Mm -hmm. yell at your children, you know, no biggie. Um, In a business situation, you start thinking, how come my PowerPoint slide isn't advancing? So you keep hitting the button, and meanwhile, you're advancing all the slides in the boardroom. Uh, that, that's a serious problem. Yeah. But, but so how, you know, how do you, there's not any of this, how you expand or dedicate these shared devices and stuff. And that's where I see the problems with Sonos is how do you say who, who, who gets to come in and control it? Right. Because they're made to be wide open because they're sitting in your house. And Sonos, that's the name of the brand. That was cool. Yeah, and and so there's just uh, there's just various um, you know, and I don't know anything about it other than I'm assuming that a a smart speaker system that runs off an app, um, most of those things try to make it very easy to connect, and therefore if I've got one at home, I can take over. It's kind of like the days back in 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 college where. Uh, um, going out drinking, I'd take a remote with me so I could change the channel in the bar. Right. <laughs> you know, I've, I've got a cable remote. I, I, can, I can now control the, what channel's on in the bar. <laughs> Which is absolutely what you do not want, right? I mean, right, that's what you do not want. Yeah. But people, people don't really think of these problems when they say, I want this consumer thing. They're thinking of a particular attribute that they like, but the problem that happens in the consumer world is, you know, how do I scale? How does a world that, how does a device that thinks I've got one hap- work when suddenly you've got 50? Mm-hmm. You know, these same problems I, I was talking about, you know, something that works great in one might not work great in, in 50. So what happens with the wireless? What happens with all of these other things that happen? Because they weren't designed for that market. On the other hand, the people who are building things for those markets aren't necessarily looking at those trends. It, it still kills me that I don't think there's a DSP on the market that's got a, a Bluetooth interface because when you think about it, mm-hmm. um, I want to come into a conference room. I'm talking, think of how many times I'm talking to somebody on the cell phone. I say, you've got to talk to a bunch of people. We run in the conference room. We're standing around the cell phone. When if that perfectly good DSP and microphones and everything else had a Bluetooth, I could just assign it over and and we could have a great conferencing experience. And, you know, and so the AV manufacturers who are making the appropriate things for the spaces don't necessarily... um, Think about the application. Think about the application and and how much it makes it easy to the world. There are also the, the... scary things about that because anybody who's ever used a valet on a car with Bluetooth 
has been talking on the phone and suddenly had whoever you were talking to um, was talking to the valet in the car once it drives up. Right. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. So can you imagine, you know, talking to somebody and uh, you get your booty call and you walk by the boardroom and suddenly they're all talking to your boo. <laughs> Tell me what you're wearing. Hello, you there? You there? You there? <laughs> what, uh, Jerry? Are there any products that you're specifically in search of uh, at Infocom this year? Because I'm just going to be there talking utility. So. Right, right. Uh, uh, for me, I am not specific on this particular. Tr I have been in the past, uh, yeah. back when IPTV was starting to take a hold to see how people were attacking it. This particular year. I don't – I'm just trying to see which way the, the winds are blowing. Yeah. You know, because now that battle's been fought. It's there. It's, you know, because I, I remember – I remember one time, this is about uh, eight eight or nine years ago. Con, you know, I, I had a visit from the reps from Contemporary Research. Uh-huh. All the guys, the, the tuners, the, the RS-232 controlled yeah. tuners and whatnot. And I asked them, so when, when are you guys going to start heading towards IPTV? And they're like, and this is the factory guys, not not just the local rep. The factory guys are like, oh, no, 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 we're going to focus on coax. And it's like, well, they're going to quit putting coax in new buildings. What are you going to do? And we had that conversation. And this was like. I'm, Dark ages. Yeah, 2011 maybe. Yeah. And because I've already been dealing with IPTV back then. And. The, you know, there were, I, was, I was shocked that somebody who focuses on tuners and distribution of it, you know, of basically a cable ch system, regardless of how is the delivery method, were so close-minded to it. Yeah. You know, and now, sure enough, what, last, last round, this is, it took them this long. Last round that the contemporary research people made it to the point where, you know, they came across my radar. They're trying to set up a meeting with so they can show their new IPTV stuff. And you asked them about that <laughs> nine years ago, basically eight years ago. No, I didn't take the meeting because I, I just didn't have time that day. But, uh, yeah. but you know, I, I found it kind of funny. Ironic. And Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, but at, I think this year I'm just, the deal, it's almost like at this point it's like, let's see who has what. Yeah. And so I'm kind of going there with open mind. It's like, okay. You know, let me find out because, and that's what I love to do. That's what usually when I go to Infocom, I don't make appointments traditionally, only for a few special people. Thank you. And it's not it's it's, it's me being greedy, and because I want to go discover. Because yeah. you know, for my favorite reps and stuff, they're going to bring that stuff to me. So they're going to bring it to my shop and say, "Hey, look at our new stuff," or they already did. Yeah. Or this is going to come out. So uh, why then don't waste my half hour, an hour showing me the stuff while you're there? Because you're going to bring it to me anyways. Let me wander around and, and look at the, the booths and the products of the people that don't have reps yet. Yeah. But they might have a great product. I mean, that's how I found probably a decade ago, you know, the microphones that retract into ceilings for, you yeah. know, for really nice boardrooms and things like, you know, little things like that. They didn't have a rep. I don't think they still do. But, but now, you know, Clock Audio bought some, has a similar project. Might be the same people for all I know. But Oh, yeah, could be. You know, but no, having that kind of stuff in my pocket as I hit you know, new projects and new, new uh, proposals and system designs, you know, knowing about them, to me, that's the value in going to Infocom. How many, uh, how many exhibitors do they have at Infocom? Do you know, Paul? Um, several, although uh, Herman doesn't have a booth. So uh, Really? Yeah. No booth? Yeah. No I booth. They have a demo room, which I understand isn't even going to demo anything. They're just going to hide behind a wall so they can have their meetings and not have a booth. Oh, that's that, sad. That, yeah, that's what uh, I see. Well, that uh, that is. And they're not going to be in a Samsung booth, I'm sure, because you got to get in that way in advance. And I don't think this is a Samsung thing. I just think this is a Harman Pro doesn't necessarily value Infocom and trade shows and and that sort of thing. So it's sad to see uh, that it's it, that it's gone that way. But um, so I guess if we want to see Harmon, we need to go to the Detroit Motor yeah, Show, <laughs> or go to the Experience Center. Oh, that's they're, true. they're they're trying that uh, that way. Um, 
but uh yeah because when Lago they they coined that phrase harmonize your life yeah yeah i don't i don't know what's going on with them um i was just trying to look and see uh how many how many um are going to be at the infocom show it's a lot um uh, 1,500, 2,000? Yeah, a couple of thousand, I would guess. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I do like Orlando better than Vegas. Why? I, just the, the hall. Just the hall layout is easier. Uh, yeah, that's probably true. Not traversing A and B, you know, just getting the lay of the, the rectangle. Yeah. I think it's a little it's, bit more. See, see, I go the other way and say the food's better in Vegas. Oh, uh, yeah. That's true, yeah. Does everybody have their comfortable shoes? <laughs> yeah. I have yeah. comfortable shoes, but uh, I'm just looking forward to uh, to uh, being back on the the receiving side. So uh, and and not being not being an exhibitor or not not that I stood in the booth, but um, it's nice getting to see things at ISE. They welcomed me into the Crestron booth for the first time in years. Oh, wow. That's so, nice. Uh, so that. it's nice. You know, once, uh, once I left Harmon, everything was forgiven. So, uh, we like so people that all, don't have a grudge. All, all kinds of people, um, uh, you know, will let me in, but I'm doing the same thing. I'm always interested in discovering and, and, and seeing what was, what's new. There are, you know, there are meetings I will take and there are technologies um, that I've been following for years that I'll go in and say, okay, it's still not baked. Let's talk to you in a year. Yeah. Move forward. But there are technologies that are, are graduating yet. So, uh, you know, in, in video compression, I, you know, I always meet with a company called Intupix, mm-hmm. probably the, one of the most influential companies that nobody's ever heard of. Um, they're, what do the, they do? they're the company that writes the magic software that's inside of SVSI's, um, uh, IP, uh, video distribution and inside oh. Crestron's IP distribution and oh, all really? these other things. And so they're the guys who write the, the super brainy PhDs that write all that compression software and the standards, including the, um, you know, the JPEG standards, and they've got a lot of the um, um, SIMPTI, um standard pieces. And so all that underlying intellectual property that, you know, a company can take and put together and, and put into their product. And it's an interesting thing because the two major companies that are doing that sort of thing are Intupix and Aptivision. And Aptivision uh-huh. are the people behind SDVOE. Right, right, right. Yes. And, that so, idea, that idea. and so they took the idea of we're going we're gonna to package and bake everything together and make it really easy to integrate, very much like the HD-based T people did. Uh-huh. So there's a chipset, you buy it, and, and pretty much any company can do an SDVOE. Yeah. The Intupix... Um, is more complicated for somebody to for a company to um, to uh, integrate because they're just selling you the compression engine and you've got to put everything else together. So that's why companies like SVSI, Harman, Crestron, companies with with more money engineering uh, okay. goes to go the Intupix route because. You know, and I'm not going to argue one's better than the other. They're both very good. Yeah. Um, you know, but um, but Intupix is is now accelerating over. I think one of the interesting things would be is seeing if some company comes and says, "Okay, Intupix, we want to license your software, and we're going to put it into a chip like HDBase T or SDVOE to make everybody able to do it." That would be that would be something that that is really interesting because Intupix doesn't really want to do that. That's not the business they're in. They're yeah. they're they're smart guys who can spend hundreds of hours talking about the you know various math techniques on whether I take a sixteenth or a thirty second 
for your, you know, wavelet, whatever, <laughs> you know, because uh, it's all just, you know, my mind, you know, fogs over math um, in, in doing it. Um, but uh, they very wisely stuck to what they're good at, sure. which is which is producing the intellectual property as well as they're also very good at um, getting their intellectual property into standards. So, um, right. so they've done things with JPEG. They've got a lot of a new JPEG um, low complexity standard um, that they're, they're in. They're in the SIMPTE standards, um, all of these other stuff. So that being said, um, there's a lot of these things that when I talk to them, I'm looking at what they're going to be coming out with in four years. Yeah. Kind of getting a gauge because that's in my pocket for, you know, what I'm going to put into products in the future. Uh, presuming I get back into that business, but I still like those people and, and go see them. So I, I not only look at products, I also spend a lot of time with the people who build the technologies under the products, the right. HD based T people, the Aptivision people into picks, these various, um, the Dante folks, that I like sort of thing. Books. I, is, I, yeah. I, I find that interesting, right? Oh, it, it is mm -hmm. interesting. And, and the interesting thing is those are the building blocks. If you want to get anything that's close to a standard in this industry, it, it's come from those companies who have built the building blocks and sold them to lots of people. Mm -hmm. So, so ultimately, one of the best possible things for the AV industry over over the last fifteen years was the emergence of HD base T, and and that and the reason that it's great is it kept us from having twenty five completely competing non compatible ways of doing it. Right. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and HD base T isn't technically a standard; it's a product that gets put into lots of products. But it's a de facto standard. Yeah. And, right. you know, unfortunately, the early HD-based T products, they didn't do a good job of saying you have to do it this way. So the AMX and Crestron, you know, didn't talk to each other. Or they talked to each other for video, but the control didn't work because they're different channels. Oh. But, but they then saw that and made it. So now things are very compatible. And that's what SDVOE is doing. Whether or not you think SDVOE is, you know, the right solution or not, what they are doing is they're creating an ecosystem where where um, different vendors are compatible. So if you've got somebody that you love this receiver because it's got these three extra widgets in it, mm -hmm. but I love that transmitter because it's got it's got a switch in the front, and I need to be able to to locally switch between four HDMI send it out SDVOE and, and go to this, you can mix and match. And, right. and so that allows creative companies to come in and build these niches that add ecosystems. And that's really good for the company. And that's also really good for traditional AV integrators because that is outside of the realm of a company doing it themselves. Yeah. You know, on the other hand, the threats we have is that uh, Logitech decides they want to get into that, into the small conference room big time and comes out with the Logitech small conference room kit that you can buy for $999 at Ingram Micro. I know. $1,500. $1,500. And, and, uh, yep. and, you know, that is a threat to AV as we know it today. Yeah, the bring your own device room is a big yeah. threat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Because I'm, I'm putting them in now. You know? Are you? Yeah. Because uh, in reality, it's all most people need. Yeah, right. You know, exactly. like I said, why do I need a voice over IP and everything else? I do need some echo cancellation. I need a mic and speakers. But I have a phone. Yeah. I have that go. I have a computer. I just need to plug in a couple of things and, and extend my desktop to experience to a few people yeah that's what i do when i sell these uh, bring your own device rooms i basically describe to the customer they're like well why would i do this is like you know but you can't make a call on your own they're like no but everybody you that works for you has a laptop yeah you know and all you're doing is taking this room and well, turning the whole room 
and the experience of it into a super high-end uh, webcam. And, and, and most importantly, that laptop has the meeting invite in them with the link to click. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, to yeah, get into good. the meeting as opposed exactly. to trying to type that big URL into the dedicated thing in the room. Right. And that's why I'm doing those rooms now with the, the Biamp Devio box. Yeah. Because that's, that's probably one, for me right now, the best solution for bringing your own device rooms. Because well, it's a single USB connection, yeah. boom, done. Uh huh. Do you, Jerry? Do you remember the uh, that manufacturer, the Italian manufacturer that you had that piece of demo gear? It was a collaboration box, basically. Yes, HRT. Uh, yeah, yeah, HRT was mm -hmm. the manufacturer. That, that was that was the Huddle Hub, the Huddle, the Huddle Hub, and the yeah. Huddle Hub One. Oh, what a cute name! I know. But what was nice was it was for the rooms that they didn't even want to bother putting a, a display in the room. So right. you could just all connect and all see on each other's laptops. So it, yeah. it, it actually eliminated the need. So you, places where there's just, it's not convenient. That was a great solution ex for an in, in, integral culture. Yes, yes, the yes. Yeah. The only problem with the, the Huddle Hub is that it required an app. Yeah. So if you were fresh, came out of nowhere, right. you needed to download something yeah. first before yeah. you can use it. Now, granted, uh, the display link, which is the, the licensing driver to utilize the DVO, is it's a download as well. But nine out of ten, most people already have it because most of the new uh, universal uh, laptop docking stations that are not really a docking anymore, they're just a little box that's got video. They utilize that same license display. Oh, link. do they? Yeah, yeah. If you buy uh, a brand okay. new Dell yeah. you know, uh, universal, uh, la uh, docking station, USB docking station. Yeah. Guess what? It has the Display Link logo right on it. Yeah, and Display Link is built into Windows, mm -hmm. and the only thing is um, that the Ethernet port has to support it. But every Ethernet port that's been built in the last five years supports it. Oh, beautiful! So, so it's not going to work, Michelle, on your uh, on your Windows ninety eight laptop that you love so much. <laughs> I do Vista, baby, it's Vista. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I yeah. have one that I, I just retired that still had XP as the operating system, much to the chagrin of Google Chrome. Um, yeah. It's not supported. I'm like, I don't care. I mean, it was still working, right? I mean, it was the CPU. I was like, yeah. yeah. Have at it, have at it. So, uh, so as we march towards Infocom, uh, NSCA, uh, that particular group, they were um, having people do videos on um, why they love the AV industry. So it's it's easy to get negative, but I think with every negative, there's also positive, right? A little bit of balance. So, uh, Jerry, I'll start with you. What do you love about the AV industry? Because you've been in it a long time, so you don't you don't hate it. Yeah, since the 80s. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's um, my entire adult life. Um, what I like about it is that it allows, if you're in it as, as a you know participating member of the actual industry itself, is that yeah. there's a really cool balance of, I'm a nerd, huge nerd, obviously. And yeah. it allows a nerdy person have the option to also kind of sort of have an artistic output. Yeah. Which is, you know, if, if you're not, if you're, you know, if you're a mechanic, it's all technical. Right. You know, you know, yeah, you can build hot rods and stuff like that. So it's a possibility, but it's same thing with AV, you know, it's like, and it also depends what part of AV. Again, I was speaking earlier about how yeah. broad the brushes of AV. Sure. Some people NAM. are going to NAB, which is a completely different right. experience. The NAM, then exactly. Infocom, right? Yeah, Infocom, you know, CDF. and all these, yeah, so yeah, you know, so you got the home market that's technically AV. You got, you know, DSE, digital DSE. signage, yeah, right. Exactly. That's its own like hyper niche. So yeah, even part of of that is you know this LDI, you know, some of the lighting stuff, you know, it's because yeah. you know uh, you got you got the production world. You have the the integrator commercial integrator world, and you got the performance space integrator world, uh -huh. and there's all these little subfields that you can get creative. So it's possible to be creative, especially as a designer, because I like I like I kind of don't like that I ought to do is video conference rooms a lot. Yeah, but 
the variance of customers gives me an opportunity to come up with different solutions. Yeah. And that's the part I love about Infocom because that's why I wanted all those little gadgets and doodads. So I can go, you know, this customer has this one specific application where they're like, well, I really, I wish it could do this. And it's like, well, you know what? I ran into a product that will do that. Well, I'll be curious you know, to see like if, that, they're, you know. if they're shipping, but the Mimo monitors with the haptic touch, I was like, you're, we're going to have to track down that booth. I'm telling oh, yeah. you right now. Because yeah. they said they'd be shipping by Infocom. So let's see if they, they met their ship date. And what about you, Paul? What, what do you love about the industry? Um, I like the industry. What I really like about it is um, that it's still a, a trade. Yeah. So, so the AV industry is one of the last places that somebody can come in as a cable puller without a traditional education and um, the sky's the limit for, for where they end up. You mm -hmm. don't need an MBA. You don't need an engineering degree. You yep. don't need to have gone to the right college. You don't have to have gone to college that you know you can show up and be a good cable puller and be interested and be able to get the right education and the right things and there is really no position shut off to you and there are very few of those things anymore um you know i'm in my 50s shocker uh, uh, okay, but, we don't we don't hate against the OWM oh, here. Okay, uh, <laughs> but and and I spent my career jumping back and forth between AV and IT, and um, IT was like that when I started in it in the early eighties. Yeah, know? Uh, it was like a I'll volunteer, I'll do that, and 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 you get the job because it wasn't formalized. Well, IT got to be a lot more money and a lot more formal. Oh, yeah. And, and a huge amount of the opportunities I had when I was young and, and starting out, I could never get today with the education that I have because I don't have any IT education. The only, only computer course I've ever taken um, at a college level, let's really date this, the homework was turned in on punch cards. Nice. Uh, kids, I don't know if you remember those things, but, oh, yeah. uh, but it, it was a cardboard card with 80 rows that you could punch holes in, and each one would then be a character based on what holes you punched out of the rope. And so you could put 80 characters on a punch card and, and have a line of code. So if you wanted to edit your code, you'd go over to go to punch card number 45, take it out, type a new one in, and slip it in the deck. Nice. And, and keep on going. And everything was great until you were walking over and dropped it and suddenly you had 600 punch cards you had to put back in order. Oh, my God. Or you God. couldn't run it. What a mess. Um, yeah. A whole new thing for the school bully to be able to do. But that, what really pointing out is I know a lot of people in this industry who are very successful and very deserving of that success who – you know, started out pulling cables and as laborers and and racks, and that opportunity is not as easy to come by as it used to be. And I think it's a really good thing that this industry still can offer those kinds of opportunities um, to people. Um, so, so that is, you know, it kind of my my Horatio Alger, you know, social responsibility, why I, I like this industry. The people are fun. They're not too stuffy, but ultimately. Um, they like to drink. That doesn't hurt. Yeah. That's true. And there's, oh, uh, true. There, there, there's just a lot of opportunities for people that, you know, would not necessarily be afforded to them otherwise. And, uh, and that's a good thing. Well, I like the diversity, I think, in terms of <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't mean that from a racial yeah, perspective. You, you, you have a large, you have a large selection of, of fat, middle-aged white men. No, 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 no. Uh, By diversity, have. I mean in, 
in where people came from to how they got here, right? That's very yeah. diverse, you know? Uh, and I, I thought it was all some, uh, some uh, sub-story of I didn't make it as a rock star. Yeah, I like that. I like people that are musical. I think that's pretty cool. You've got people that come from the technology side. Well, unfortunately, it was people who thought they were musical. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> or quite as musical as they have, they would be. Um, but no, I just like that people come in at, from different ways, you know, and, and right. not everybody sticks around because I think we can be a, a tough audience. <laughs> so there's some people. Because we, IT pays better. Well, that's yeah. well, you know, I don't know. I, well, it can. It doesn't necessarily. You know, not right. not all telecom yeah. people successfully transition into AV. Some of them were like, just go back. No. And, yeah, get back in that lane. You know. Yeah, uh, that's one of the things about AV is that you 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 have to get it. Yeah. And just because you have your technical and you, you if you're if you don't get it, you're never going to be good at it, and you'll never reach those levels without being good at it. And, and there's a lot to learn, I think. So you mm -hmm. have to have a, yeah. you have to be really naturally curious, right? You know, and, and you enjoy that. I, I like that it's active components. It's much more interesting than structured cabling by a million miles. Although I certainly respect that industry, I came from it. But um, yeah, I like it, and it's it's fun. I think um, I enjoyed. I think it was very meaningful to to go to ISC and get more of a global picture of the industry. I think it made me appreciate it more. Right, because mm -hmm. um, you know we have our universal AV language, and I think for the most part we tend to um, to complain about the same things, regardless of where in the world you are. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> the struggles are, are. There's a lot of similarity in all of our struggles, um, and it's funny because we feel like such a big industry because structure cabling is even smaller than AV. So, you know, the first time I went to NAB and Infocom, my mind was blown. They were both in Las Vegas that year, and uh, I'd never seen anything like it. Uh, so, yeah. I, and then you realize we're not that big at all. Like, we think we're so big, and we're really not. No, we're yeah. spec. Well, cool. Well, Paul, thank you so much for oh, joining yeah, thank us. You, Paul, today. thank you for having me. And if somebody wanted to track you down, how would they go about that? Well, since I don't have people for that anymore, <laughs> um, my, uh, my company, such as it is, is AVCOIP, and you can get me at uh, pzeely at avcoip.com. Um, feel free to follow me on Twitter, especially if you don't want your Twitter inbox being, um, being uh, filled up by somebody who actually tweets. Oh, there you go. All right, cool. Well, awesome. We appreciate it. And uh, yeah, you thanks for coming. Me, yeah, find me at App Vacation. Find Jerry all around the web. I yeah. use Smart Systems. How do they find you, Jerry? If somebody wanted to find you, uh, well, probably the easiest the way. The podcast. Yeah, exactly. Click on it and write to the podcast, and that'll get to me. <laughs> well, cool. I guess that's a wrap. Thanks, guys. All right, thanks. <laughs>